Today's guests are now laying claim to be the property market's next, Holly and Phil. And they've come on the show today, not looking for a permanent gig on morning telly, but to talk about what good estate agencies look like over the last eight weeks and what it will continue to look like in the future. When they're not talking property while you're at your cornflakes, they run a successful agency all-stars training group striving to help estate agents be the best they can be and improve how people buy, sell, rent and invest in property. For one of them, it's her second appearance on the show. They are the dream team of the corona age. Sarah Edmondson and Brian Mansell, welcome back to the World Class Agency Podcast. <laughs> um, hello. Did you say Holly and Phil? <laughs> that, yeah, I don't know who they are. Mark wrote that bit. So, <laughs> yeah. so there's parts Sorry, Brian. That's, that's relevant to Phil, there's parts that isn't. I just want to clear that up for your entire audience, okay? <laughs> Which part's not? <laughs> And I don't know who told you that we hadn't come on here to get a TV yeah. appearance because I thought that was we're the whole point. We're furthering your niche media careers. <laughs> well, well I'd prefer to be I prefer to be classified as Holly and Phil rather than Richard and Judy because he went to jail, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Sarah, it was, anyway, good morning, guys. Good morning. good morning, Sarah. It was Sam that said that that changed it that you weren't looking for a permanent gig because I wrote I wrote the notes and I put that you were looking for a permanent gig on on morning telly. So you changed Oh, that. thank you. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> Although we watched ourselves back the other day and realised that at times we can... The pair of us be assertive, so uh, we realised it might scare people on breakfast telly. Hey, don't <laughs> be shy of knowing what you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for having us on, guys. No, it's um, a pleasure. Yeah. What, talk, talk us through. So I, I remember when... I don't know, in the before times when Sarah, you were saying to me that you were going to set this up. And I thought, this is a great idea. Like you guys have got a load to give. And then you said, it's going to be 9.15 every morning. And I said, oh shit, that's when we do our internal meeting. So I'm never actually going to be able to attend. Uh, and so I I'd only popped in for a few times, but I'm interested for anybody who hasn't watched them, go and watch them. But why did you guys start them? Well, I'm going to let Sarah take this because it was, uh, it was entirely her idea. So you go for it, sir. So we, I'll give you the shortest answer that I can. Those that know you know me know that I give quite long answers. Ultimately, it was, I, I don't mind admitting that I went into the first two days of when the lockdown got announced, what can only be described as a complete lockdown and a complete tailspin in terms of, I, I personally and professionally, I didn't feel that I could, uh, I had any idea what was going to happen. And, and it was, it was a really quite, scary time and I've been really honest about that people were saying to me how do you feel about this and I was like um yeah I'm smiling on the outside screaming on the inside and then I thought we're gonna ha we have to do something and we at the time I'll be honest didn't have a Facebook group but we thought we could set one up and we could just the one thing that most people are going to miss when they're working in their offices is a, a morning meeting and it's one thing that some of the businesses that we work with actually don't do and they don't do very well so we thought actually what a great opportunity to just do a great big morning meeting invite anybody in the industry at all it didn't matter whether they were a supplier or an agent or competing or anything like that and just get them on share some uh, and we wanted it to be positive because we didn't want people to feel like I did in those first couple of days so it was just good news and um, some clear di direction and guidance and then just giving some recommendations for things like how to keep the kids entertained and what to do for um, your, your colouring that day or your exercise routine. So it turned into quite a laugh, um, but also with a serious meaning behind it. 
and we just wanted to help everybody as much as we possibly could. I think that summarizes it. What do you think, Brian? Well, yeah, I wanted to have a videography of the growth of my beard actually during lockdown. That's why I did it. Because um, <laughs> I'm getting really proud of the fact that I'm trying to catch Christian Byfield. Um, no, when we when we first did it, I have to say I was against it to begin this, at the very beginning, being so I mean, we're all, we're absolutely honest. I'm not gonna lie about it. Um, I didn't want to get up that early, in fairness, so I don't want to do a Facebook show. Um, but I was not necessarily against it, but I'd felt that looking at the industry and all of the other groups that were on Facebook, not all of them, but some of them made me sad because they were clearly ways of people plugging their own businesses and putting adverts out. And it was, you know, and the industry has been pretty poor at that. They're not very good at camouflaging their intentions. Um, and so I said to Sarah that I'll only do it really. I, I wanted to support her obviously as I always do, but I'll do it if we can have complete honesty and we can say what we want to say on there. Um, and then we will, give it a couple of goes and see what the feedback is. And if the desire of the people is for us to carry it on, then we'll carry it on. That's always been away. And it kind of took off from there, really. Very democratic. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, it did take off, didn't it? I think it's probably um, fair to say. I know exactly those feelings that you just talked about, Sarah, uh, smiling on the outside and, and screaming on the inside at the start of lockdown. I would say that's exactly um, what I was feeling. And I'm guessing probably what a lot of, people were feeling as well and then um having to control what you could control throughout throughout that period um i know from being in your group there's been a lot of contact um from agents what do you think um was sort of the most common fears that estate agents have had throughout this period is it me sarah yeah go on brian okay um I think it's been um, an evolution of fear in a way. Um, you know, you talk, I think there's, there hasn't been anybody that hasn't been concerned and like Sarah said, smiling on the outside um, and being upset the inside. I tend to just be, if I'm upset the inside, I let everyone know. <laughs> so I don't really hide <laughs> mine very well. But actually going through, it's been a very interesting journey. Again, looking back on the videos, we watched them through when, when I was editing them. and I've watched a lot of them, obviously. It's been interesting looking at the comments try, that have come through and obviously the conversations that we've had with a lot of people. First of all, there was the just almost like a panic stage in a way of, oh my God, um, you know, what's going to happen to our business? You know, kind of, you know, a lot of people, a lot of owners that we, we deal with were really sort of reaching out, asking what, almost in a way expecting us to know what the answers were at the very beginning, which we didn't know. Okay. I mean, you know, we know a lot of stuff. I've been around a lot longer than most people, but actually we don't know it all. And we're quite honest about that. So we kind of got, have gone on this journey with our clients and our friends as they are. Um, so initially it, it was, are we going to have a business? Is there going to be any, are we going to die? I hate to say it as tragic as it is. That was many people's concerns. Then I think people um, accepted the fact there was a calmness that sort of came over everybody while people adapted to way of working. Uh, and then the concern was, are we going to, you know, are we going to lose our stock? Are we going to, um, you know, not be able to move people in, in exchanges in the transactions and therefore not get any money? And mm. then of course the government countered that with the grants and that calmed people down a little bit on that. So it's been a, you know, say it's, it's been an evolution. I think fundamentally what it's, the biggest issue agents have had over the whole period is um, how do we reshape our business going forward? What is it going to look like? What do we do and when do we do it? Um, it's a really complicated issue for many, many people, even the most positive. And I think ultimately, um, this is going to cause a lot of people a rethink 
uh, you know, a new strategy and a new way of doing business. Uh, but there's some positives on the back of it as well. And many people have had a very positive approach on it. Sarah? I, I agree with you, Brian. And I think that we have spoken about quite candidly about the fact that some of this change that is appearing is probably long overdue, if I'm being honest. Um, some of the technological and digital advancements that we have seen during this lockdown and certainly within the last week or so since the phased um, approach to, to coming out of lockdown has happened, we have, <laughs> we have become um, more understanding about technology, understanding that we can indeed do a virtual viewing. I mean, I've been banging on about virtual viewings for about 18 months, maybe nearly two years. And definitely Brian has. I think Brian probably did them Foxes, no, maybe not. <laughs> um, but definitely, you know, it, it, it's something that we should have adopted maybe as an industry for efficiency purposes a lot mm. longer ago. But we just we couldn't. We, it was too much change. So I think, obviously, it's obvious that the, the the negative connotations that have come out of coronavirus are obvious. There's going to be cash flow issues. There's going to be um, staffing problems, etc. And, and everybody's well aware of those. But the positives, I think, and I'm, I've really come through this now into what they are, and the fact that we are working so much more efficiently, the fact that we are offering, in a way, increased service levels, because we are able to offer virtual and physical viewings. We're, we're able to really accommodate people in a way that we've not done so before. And we're also getting to know those people that are buying and selling homes or letting homes in a much deeper relationship, which is something else that I've been going <laughs> going on like a broken record about so i think it's a huge amount of positivity as well to come out of it and i think that's starting to happen in the last week or so now people are starting to realize it yeah in terms of you know sorry sam go for it sorry i was just going to echo the deeper relationships point like the the last two months has been the first time in many agents lives where they weren't actually able to offer somebody a free market valuation you know no obligation i'll just come around and it's forced them to actually go and find different ways of staying in touch and actually communicating with them and it it, it is a shame i think um that it's taken something so like horrific to actually get people to realize what good practice looks like and what not sort of lazy estate agency is i think um yeah so that is one of the good yeah, things that come that. out of this in, in defense of agents i suppose I, I should say at this point is that we're not the only industry. So I was no. just reading something this morning, actually, um, that over nearly 60% of people who work in this city are now considering that they are uh, imagining they're going to be working out between one and three days from home now, rather than coming into yeah. the city. That's going to change the landscape. We'll probably talk about that in a minute in the wider property market. But actually, that, that's going to be a huge shift for them in their behavior and the way that they conduct their business. Yeah. So we're not, we're not the only ones that are going to really change here. Another one, Jack Dorsey, Twitter. No one at Twitter ever has to come back into the office ever again if they don't ever want to. And it's game, this game-changing stuff. So we're not the only ones that are doing a shift here. It's probably just that it's been a bigger shock to us, really, because we are so um, in people's homes and have done things in, in the well, same way for quite some time. Yeah, I mean, let's face it, for 32 years, I've fallen in love with agency for one reason. It was a job of all jobs, I used to call it, because it was actually everything in a day. Mm. It wasn't one specific thing. It wasn't an office job. It wasn't an on-the-road job. It wasn't a a field sales job wasn't telesales job it wasn't a marketing job it was everything in yeah. one which is why it is absolutely unique and so often misunderstood 
by those that have never worked in it. Um, and that's been the biggest challenge, not being able to be a free spirit, not being able to go around and interact and, <coughs> you know, like, like we used to. So, but I think, um, as Sarah said, we've had a war, right? I look at it like that. We've had a war and in wartime, everything moves forward at a much, much faster pace for the good developments. And we, we take giant leaps and I think that's where we are. And now it's a case of making sure that agents don't go back into their old ways. They embrace and keep rolling forward. Well, that, that's the trick, I think. I, I was speaking on this, I think, last week, and I actually said that of any industry, a state agency is actually one of the few that's quite like well set up to work in this new world because no one goes to the city to do their job every day. So there's not mass commuting for our roles day in, day out. You're effectively either working from home or working for an office where you don't have a load of people in that office. And then you're going to other I was calling them satellite offices, but the reality is it's people's houses. And with a bit of planning, you can make sure that all the risk is mitigated from all of that. So actually, if you're an estate agent and you want to work safely, so long as you've got a modicum of common sense, it's, it, it is quite easy. You just need to actually have that thought process throughout. You know, you're not jumping on a bus or a tube or anything with everybody else. You're, you're in your car. You keep your car clean. That's okay. You don't have to have other people in your car. If you make it that you're, step to physical viewing is qualification another hoop uh virtual viewing whatever you weed out any time wasters you make sure that you're operating safely for yourself and your clients and for them and then you bring them through at the last minute and you do something and you work it and, and maybe you know it's all up to do any sort of transaction sales or lettings i think if there were multiple viewings you would probably have an hour's worth of contact time with somebody you know and that that doesn't happen in in other industries at all and so i think for agents who are wondering how they're going to do that, that you need to sort of amp yourself up and recognize that actually you're in a fortunate position where you can control as much of your space as possible. And there's a lot of people out there that don't have that opportunity. Yeah, I agree. I think the final point for me on this is that um, it's one of the Sarah's earlier ones is that I have for as long as I can remember since God's dog was a puppy been talking about, putting the customer at the center of what you do and build your business around that. I, you know, I learned that at Fox many years ago. If you really do focus on the customer and you build a business around you know, and listen to them and qualify them by listening properly, then you can charge what you want with a certain degree because people will, you'll provide value, you'll provide solutions and you will never sell to anybody. All right. And that was the key thing. And that's why, you know, if people look at Fox and think, ah, oh, the only way they get those fees is they, charge, they put their prices up. They don't, they just do things better than most people. And, um, and that's what my sincerest hope for the industry is that when people come out of this properly, because still some agents don't want to, still some people are being, you know, a bit, it's a bit polarized, but some people are sort of saying, no, well, we'll just wait until it's all released. And there are others that are getting on with it. So it's still we're in like a part semi-release at the moment, um, part market. What I think is that people will get better at dealing with customers. They'll listen to them more, understand their needs more, and the customer will become finally finally i hope the center of the estate agency world and estate agents will become respected much quicker by this by um the public i once thought that regulation would, would be the only way for that to happen i don't believe that anymore i believe that this is going to do that for them mm -hmm. uh, for us as an industry and we will become very respected look at what's happened with the nhs and the nurses you know they've you know, not they've ever been disrespected but now suddenly they're hero worshipped um, which I, which is absolutely right. Uh, now, agencies won't, I don't think, ever be hero worship, <laughs> but um, 
I think they'll be respected more as long as they embrace the community spirit and work harder. And therefore, that can help them recover because it might help them with their fees and so on and so on. Just to reiterate that point, I mean, it's been fascinating to watch how many agents have got so deeply involved in their communities in, in during this lockdown and therefore in many ways sort of broken that preconception, which was often wrong about, but it, but it was well held with the set estate agents and about what, what they were and that they were just these sort of slimy type salesmen and women and actually their involvement in the community and some of there's been agents I've seen all kinds people um, riding the, the blood bikes to help help with that people delivering meals people making meals for local communities and people and and that's because their businesses have been really quiet and they've got on with that and that for me is just it shows the type of wonderful people we've got in this industry and how they've put themselves forward and that will serve them so well in the future. So I mm. think it's, yeah, Brian's absolutely right on that point. Yeah, absolutely. And long, long may it continue um, with, a, with a bit of luck. Um, you mentioned there, Brian, um, I think it was Brian rather than Sarah, um, about sort of a big, big term that we've heard a lot in the last couple of weeks is sort of the new normal and um, trying to adapt your business um, with the learnings that you've had over the last few weeks. I've now been back in the office um, a couple of days and already I can see the challenge of okay, we, we know that we're going to be doing virtual viewings and what have you, but there's more to that. There's more business processes that we want to put in and what have you. How do you think agents can deal with the challenge of not reverting to type, not just doing things that they did um, you know, before all of this crisis? Because I think that is going to be a, a really big challenge, particularly if you've got pent-up demand and viewings waiting to be booked in. So what sort of advice could you give to agents to try and make sure that they implement some of the stuff that you guys have been talking about? Well, what, one key point, Mark, that's a great question. Um, strong, clear leadership. You know, it's all well and good, everybody coming back in. Um, the quickest way that they will fall back into their old ways is a lack of direction mm. and a lack of a strategy that has been clearly communicated throughout the business. Yeah. I can tell you firsthand on direct experience of this, I, I won't bore you too long, um, but when I was... Um, when I had the, the privilege of being the MD of your move, which was a big estate, well, it is a big estate agency, um, at the, the, I had the south part of it. We came in, in during the financial lockdown um, and the challenges we had. Um, sorry, I was at Countrywide actually in the financial lockdown, so I had a big chunk of Countrywide, and that's the, probably the most comparable. Um, people came back, uh, people were at work, and people were concerned and, and worried, and all the things we've talked about with the coronavirus, not quite as bad, but um, we had a plan. Okay, yeah. we had a plan and we were open to um, developing that plan with our team so that the team could actually be part of that plan, ultimate buy-in. Uh, we listened to the people on the front line um, and then we implemented the plan, but we stood behind it and we reinforced it everywhere we could and we had to uh, make sure we were very, very clear and very direct uh, and that's how we got to the, uh, through it and made some money. And that's yeah. my advice right now is to have a clear plan, strong leadership, stand behind your plan, and make sure your staff understand, the team understands, you know, why you're doing these things and why it's folly to fall back into uh, what we were doing before. Sarah, you look like you're jumping around, dying to speak as usual. <laughs> I had to put myself on mute there for a minute so that I didn't uh, get too excited. And, were you and swearing again? And come in. No, I was not. I thought I was set. <laughs> I mean, really, Brian said pretty much everything that I, w I would want to say, except I think that what 
this time has given many um, estate agents and estate agency leaders of businesses is a bit of time to actually work on processes that they don't usually have. So you often hear, we often hear when we're out training that um, I haven't, you know, I've, I work in my business, I can't work on my business. And many have had a little bit of an opportunity to do that, which hopefully they have made the most of. But of course, you know, we've all been been up and down on a roller coaster. So if you haven't, I, I, my message would be, don't worry, don't beat yourself up about it. But having Brian and I, one of the things we do when we're talking about time management and time efficiency in businesses is actually we talk about having structure. And now more than ever, that's going to have to be really, really important because it, one, it will help with your, um, it will help to keep, make sure that you stay in line with all your social distancing policies and all those sorts of things and not have too many people in and out of the office at one time. But also by having some kind of structure to your day and keeping that control, it means that you can best serve your customers and that your staff know what they're doing at each time. And that is coupled with what Brian was saying about having that strong leadership and the plan in place. And it, it's it really easy to slip from a structure, but if at all possible, I talk about it all the time, time boxing, having set times during the day for certain activities, mm. it will serve agents extremely well during the next few months and well, well beyond. And don't maybe try and change the... everything though. That's the other thing. It's trying to don't try and change everything because it's because you feel yeah. you've got to change. That's all right. Don't I actually think it. that that is is equally as good of a segue. So I I was going to jump into our sort of regular last question, but I want to go slightly off piste, and because Mark's not on camera, he can't stop me. Um, <laughs> I love off piste. Yeah, uh, it's it's uh, Mental Health Awareness Week here in the UK yep. at the moment. And you guys were talking about having structure today, not putting that pressure on yourself then to try and change everything at once. You know, time boxing is a great way to not only like work efficiently, but protect your time and allow you to understand that there's always work to be done. You can't, you can never achieve every single thing that you have to achieve in anything in one day and, and almost jotting that out is a great way to work. I'm very good at giving this advice. I'm not that great at taking it. I wanted to get one piece uh, of, of advice from the two of you just around how you can manage the pressures of uh, coming back to work. Maybe there's some anxiety around safety, all that sort of stuff. Sorry to put you on the spot, but I think we're, we're going to try and get this out today. And I'm trying to share as much of the weird stuff in my head uh, about this as through the week. And I feel like if we can get some tips from the two of you, maybe Mark, if you want to jump in as well, uh, that there'd be some, value there for our listeners i think the first thing uh, this kind of goes back to what i've just said um certainly from the businesses that i'm involved in personally and let alone set how sarah and i have helped each other the first thing is be aware <clears throat> you know intelligent be intelligent about the fact that your team and the people around you and yourself may need some assistance may need some help they need some confidence need an arm around them mm. they, you know there's lots of issues that people have had in their own worlds um, that have been magnified intensely by this process that will have impacted them a damn sight more than ever before. Um, and I think awareness, first of all, so obviously it's Mental Health Awareness Week and, and, and it shouldn't be Mental Health Awareness Week, it should be Mental Health Awareness Century, in all fairness, because this is something that is always ongoing. Um, you know, it's never stopped. It shouldn't be just be you know, aware of it for a week. But I think, yeah, I think um, awareness, first of all, and ultimately making sure that you're there to support 
your team, not manage your team as much as it was. You know, the days of you've got to get targets, you've got to do this, chuck it away, throw it. These, they, they are people that will be carried out and burnt at the stake if they start talking like that. Um, you know, because that is those days are gone. Okay, KPIs are important, targets, direction, goals are important, but managing people like that is not the way to do it anymore. Um, so yeah, and that's my piece. Be aware and understand that support first, manage second. So yeah. you're colouring again. <laughs> yeah, I was actually writing lots of notes because uh, I could probably speak for hours on this topic because um, I, I have a concern that we don't talk enough in the industry about, about mental health, actually. And I know, Sam, that you're a huge advocate of trying to bring that to the fore. Um, but <clears throat> I won't go on about that right now. I think just to answer your question, Sam, ultimately... I think we have to realize and be respectful whether we're a business owner or a colleague that mental health doesn't mean that you, you um you know need to be be sectioned or you 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 are need to have time off work mental health can just be one bad hour or a few bad hours or a bad morning and do you know what i i have i think i I think sometimes trying to put it in the mental health box is what stops us from realizing that sometimes we need a bit, a bit, a bit of help. I was very frank on our morning meetings and with Brian, Brian was a great support to me. One afternoon, I couldn't do any work. I just had to just sit down. In fact, I fell asleep because obviously my brain was completely fried and exhausted. Mm. That's okay. And we need to understand right now that the pressures that are on people, so it could be homeschooling, is still going on despite the fact that I've got to come to work. And um, me and my partner are trying to split it so that we can go to work and look after the kids and all those sorts of things are going on. Maybe somebody and their partner have fallen out during this lockdown. You know, <laughs> you, you just don't know now. Things have been- So maybe. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Yeah. The, the um, what what I'm trying to say is all of those emotional things that may have triggered a, a, a challenge within someone's mind have have been magnified beyond belief right now, and the anxiety levels are huge. Do you know? Yesterday, I promise you, I had a conversation with somebody, and they were talking about uh, me going down to their office and training in their office. What? I thought. Oh my goodness! And I got a wave of anxiety, thinking I've got I'm going to be back out on the road soon. That's so weird. I've kind of grown comfortable with being at home, and it's so everybody is going through really strange things. And I think we we have to just really, as Brian said, be completely aware of how other people are feeling. Be and and speak on a one to one level. If you're a business owner, make sure you're having regular conversations with people on a one to one level. Sorry, Brian. I'm this is also not something for certain generations. This is, this, this is affects everybody. It's talk, it, it's touched everybody. You know, there is definitely a time and I will tell you boys, everybody now, I remember shamelessly back when I was a young MD dealing with somebody who had depression and I was going, what are they depressed about? They've got a great job. You know, we look after them. They've got great perks, great benefits. We're good bosses. What have they got to be depressed about? And that was when I became aware properly when I was a young man in a senior position of the responsibilities and how we manage people. And I was dreadful at it when I first started. I never went on training. I never got coached on how to be a, an effective leader and all that sort of stuff. I then put myself through some courses to understand it and to understand my own personality and how that everybody wasn't like me and, I had, and how I was perceived by people. But I had to teach myself that. And it was kind of one of the steps that led me to become a coach with Sarah in the end. 
Um, and that really helped me manage myself because I could better understand the people I was working with and responsible for and offer support. Um, and I, you know, I was, I was literally, I won't mind admitting, I was, in, I was emotionally in tears not, not long ago, especially when the Premier League was announced they were shutting down. No, um, because the, um, I had a couple, yeah, I had a couple of, um, I had a lovely text from a, a member of the team, Sarah, you remember this, when there was a lady had text, texted me to say, just to let you know, I know we haven't spoken for 10 years, but um, we were in a training session today and we were asked about who our most inspirational leader was and three separate people said you. And that's never happened to me before. And that's probably been one of the best things I've ever heard from the industry about an endorsement for me because it was genuine. They weren't prompted. I wasn't paying them to say it. Um, but, but that all came about because of mental health, because I was arrogant and uneducated about it and had no, um, no, and no attitude at the time. I thought it was just younger people being, you know, snowflakey and all moaning about everything. It's not everybody. It's affected me, it's affected my family and my father and as many people as I can remember. So it's really important to be aware of it. That's very, very open and honest, Brian. Thank you. I think there's probably a lot of people um, listening to this, me included, that can, that can take something out of that. Um, we have um, brought a member of our team back um, yesterday um, for the first time. So uh, I work in business with my mum. And we went into the office last week and I must admit, um, going into the office again, obviously under very strict guidelines and having a bit of routine has been so good for me personally. And I think sometimes when you are in something, particularly as severe as this, you probably don't realize the effect that it, it has on you. So having that routine, um, proper routine back in, in life, because I've got two, two young kids, so working from home was always a challenge. But having that routine back in life has been, has been amazing. And we spoke to um, the member of our team that we wanted to bring back towards the end of last week. Um, and I'm sure she won't mind me saying that she, I would say, probably was um, pretty hesitant um, to come back at first. Um, and I think Sarah talked about it that anxiety and concern for her her and her family's health um so the way that we dealt with it which hopefully um people will will deal with the same is is i just said look you know you've got to be comfortable and completely backed off and put it in her court and said you know we would like you to come back this is this is the process that we're going to to take to keep you safe and um, it will be office we don't want you coming on public transport so on and and so forth um but just then left it with her and she um texted me on sunday and said um yeah i'll come in i'm happy to come in um sort of how do you want to work it and then she texted me again last night and said that it was great to be back in the office and and have a routine um back and she'll be coming in again today but not all week um and i think that's really important that throughout all of this we i don't i don't think we can really force people to come back i think it's got to be um as you said very much supporting first managing second i think that's really good advice to anybody that's listening yeah. mm. Agree with I that, Mark. I think the the flexibility here. I think Brian, you've got a client, haven't you, in London, um, who we've done some work with. Did he not offer out the opportunity? If you want to come back, come back. If you don't want to come back, don't come back, or something. Yeah, I don't know if it was that simple. Yeah, but. Uh, he um, his policy was. I mean, we we talked about it, and look, I didn't say to him, "This is what you should do. This is what you should do." Because I didn't know either. We kind of talked it through. We said, "Look, let the team decide." Yeah. If you if you've got them back and they've decided they want to come back, then they'll be they'll be more 
um, they'll be comfortable, more confident. But if you make them come back, you're not going to know because they won't tell you. And this is the thing: yeah. you'll be kept in the dark. You know, I I used to call it mushroom management. Okay, you know, if you don't get to know your team and actually encourage them, then you'll be kept in the dark and fed on bullshit all your life. Um, and so, you know, <laughs> I like yeah, it. Sorry, no, it, it's it's true though. We we have a like a rule that I try and instill with everyone in our business that at the end of the day you ask yourself two questions like did i work hard and was i happy today and if the answer to either of those is no then you call me because like you said sarah everyone has a shit hour or a bad day and that's okay and the moment you know it's okay the day actually gets a lot better but if you have one of those days and you don't talk about it and you think i had a crap day you probably sleep terribly you probably you know maybe have a beer that night that you wouldn't have otherwise had or more then you'll wake up the next morning you'll think i have to have a better day today than yesterday because yesterday was shit and you end up having a worse day and the compound is what turns it from one bad day which everybody has probably i don't know i reckon i have a bad day every week you know yeah. and it compounding it turns into a bad week and a bad week for an individual and for a business turns into a crisis you know and so just by asking those two questions then having somebody that you can pick up a phone to and just have a very frank 15 minute conversation about today sucked, you know, nothing went right today. And then having somebody else say to you, that's cool. Nothing went right for me either. You know, you, your shoulders just drop and everything becomes so much easier. I think. Yeah. I think there's definitely, I, you know, I, I had this conversation yesterday with somebody this is not the, this is not the age for job titles mm. anymore. Okay. I, Sarah will tell you I'm not not that it's that important, but I haven't used a job title for many many years. It's just me. Okay, I don't want to. I used to be judged by people that hadn't met me by my job title of what I was going to be like, what I was going to look like, how I was going to act. Rule book, tear it up, chuck it away, get rid of business, get rid of um, you know uh, job titles, and actually everyone is everyone works together. Um, and don't put people under pressure anymore. You know, just mm. just like you said. I mean, it's 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 so important. You go home after a bad day, you take it out on the people that are closest to you, which is the opposite thing to what you should be doing. Um, and putting people under pressure to hit targets, to achieve, to be in a certain place at a certain time. I just think those, that that's changed. Everything's changed, which yeah. is brilliant, which is the best thing that's come out of this, I think. Well, on, on that note then, and, and to, to finish strongly, you know, it's sort of, to use your football analogy, it's, it's uh, cloppage time shall we say, for everyone except Mark on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> let's come back to our new normal, to a safe world, to everybody you know, working as well as they can. Um, what does world-class estate agency look like to the two of you now or into the future? Sarah, you can't write notes. You've got to speak from, you've got to speak from yeah, straight up. Stop reading. First. Put Google down. She gets a little hard just... on you every time, Brian. I know. I was just, uh, I was actually just writing down a question in case I forgot it because I was listening to Brian's extremely engaging answer. Brian, are you going first or am I going first? <laughs> you, that was like deflection. I, I've, yeah. I'm a change man. I've, you know, I've got to stop talking so much, Sarah. I, I came out on national TV to, to, I've been really honest at the moment over the last couple of weeks. That's what's changed for me. Okay. Self awareness. So um, I'm going to keep it real simple. And I've been talking about this. Probably Brian will attest to this. I would say probably for about eight, nine months now, maybe longer. And I even started doing a whole sort of part of the training that I was doing on this exact point because we had got bad at it actually before the, all this coronavirus kicked off. And that was thinking about 
how do we make people feel? End of story. If you run that over everything that you do, how do I make someone feel? You can't go far wrong. Mm. And you've got to ask yourself that question all the time. So that might be, and it's really relevant for this, what we've just been talking about, about um, the mental health awareness stuff. So how are you making your colleagues feel? How are you making your boss feel? How are you making your family feel? All those sorts of things to start with. But not only that, how am I making my community feel about me? How do my customers feel? If I've said I'm going to call them back or I've said I'm going to help them find the home of their dreams or I've said I promise that they're um, going to get a ridiculous valuation for their property because I haven't explained it properly, how am I going to make them feel if I don't achieve what I said I was going to do? So I've been running that through everything now. And it's, you know, we do it a lot, especially um, sometimes those of you that have ever um, tried to rent a property anywhere in the country will know that sometimes the approach to asking the questions when you register as a lettings applicant is scary. You know, like, how much do you earn? Have you got any dogs? Do you smoke? Right, okay, no, sorry, it's not available. All your kids, do your kids work down the mines? Yeah. It's dreadful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it can be it can be so impersonal and we've got to think about the fact that the people on the other end of that phone on the other end of that zoom as it might be now are just the same as us they've got the same issues the same problems the same pressures the same anxieties and they really really just probably want to move home so how do we make them feel as a business and as an individual and if you constantly keep that in your mind you won't go far wrong in the 2020s and beyond very good advice. And relax. <laughs> Get um, off my soapbox. What was the question, Mark? Sarah, what was the question? <laughs> what does world class estate agency look like, Brian? From right, look, now everything you just said, beyond. right, Sarah. So everything you just said, I totally get. I totally understand that. And it's a great way to 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 you know, how do you want to make people feel? But I knew there was gonna okay. be a but. But, right, this is business, all right? There's businesses to run, okay? There's businesses to run, and people need to support themselves financially as well as emotionally. Yep. Now, it's finding a balance for me, okay? I agree that you, you want to make people feel happy, lovey, you know, you know, Woodstock, flowers in your hair and all that, you know, <laughs> which is great. But I know I appreciate that's not what you're saying. I haven't taken it like that. You've got to make, you know, do you want to make people feel energised? Do you mm. want to make them feel encouraged, supported, motivated, motivated. you know, aware, you know, aware of also aware of their contribution and how that has to play. So there's a part of this now where agents, from my experience, were brilliant at many, many things, but what they were dreadful at is actually setting the achievable goals with the plan and then managing people or supporting people, but, but managing them is support to me as well to get, achieve those goals. So for example, if you've got a young negotiator now that's come out of this, that's been furloughed, 80% of the salary, haven't earned a lot of commission or not have the, the top up, struggling financially, you must be aware of that. They are going to need to be made to feel supported and made to feel cared for. But they're also going to need direction and someone to be assertive and someone to help them achieve their financial goals as well as their personal goals. And we mustn't fall in away too much from the fact that this is a business at the end of the day. And we do need to make some cash because we've all got our own dreams and our own lives to run. But, I, but by my point, the future, to answer your question, Mark, to me, of world-class estate agency is find that balance. Don't be too managerial. Don't be too fluffy. 
in the middle and be aware, but find the balance between because people do want to deliver, to achieve, to achieve their own goals. Uh, we've talked about awareness before. Be aware of your, of your staff, but find a balance. I think, I think the key thing to finding balance is uh, that for there to be empathy on both sides. So you need to be empathetic with what your new negotiator or someone may be going through and actually say to them, I get it. I was your position first. This is how we can help both there. But then the yep. really important thing, and I think this is where perhaps um, some businesses have the gap is the empathy needs to exist from the other side as well. So, so many negs when a manager comes to them, maybe puts them under that little bit of pressure to perform, don't actually understand what a business owner goes through, what their anxieties are, what they think about before they go to bed and what they wake up every day. But then I think yeah. the responsibility has to fall back to the more senior person in there to educate that person. So it's like, yeah. we're having this conversation, we're setting those achievable goals and planning for the future and balancing your financial and, yeah. and emotional management because of X, Y, and Z. And it's important that you know what we go through as leaders in the business, because then people don't go, fuck you, Sam, yeah, for yeah. always telling me that you need to do this. They're just like, oh, cool, I understand. And then empathetic towards your role and you understand they're empathetic towards my role as well. And hopefully we all work each other better. And that's how you bring people up. That's, that's a really good point. And just to finish up for me on a story on this, um, I like my stories. Um, I remember removing targets for all negotiators when they first started in the first month of their, their employment because it was counterproductive. People were joining yeah. the business and then panicking and having to run and, you know, and then people... Absorbing. I've got to get rid of this guy because he hasn't done it. I'm like, are you insane? You just, you know, why are you putting this guy under all these, all these people? It wasn't just guys under so much pressure. Um, and I took that up the line. You know, I managed up <clears throat> always. I managed down a little bit, but I managed up better than I managed down um, because, you know, I had some people that needed to understand what it was like on the shop floor. And I was <clears throat> constantly out on the shop floor understanding what was going on because I felt that would be. Um, how the business would work and how it would mm. get better. And that was my greatest success was being connected to the shop floor, always never forgetting what's um, the most important people in the business. Um, but yeah, I think you're, you're, you're absolutely right. It, it's, a, it's a shared a shared view, isn't it? This is what I go through. I understand. I've been you. I've been where you are. I understand how your challenges. I'm going to help you. But equally, I need that back from you as well. Communicating that plan. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you very much, guys. Really appreciate your time. Um, are Thank you, you. You're not, not doing your meetings anymore, are you? Are you still? Because you'll need to be going and... Uh, oh, some... we've got a couple of surprises up our sleeve for that. Oh, <laughs> plug. We're going weekly. That's yeah. the first thing to know. And Brian, did we decide on a time? Is it three o'clock Friday? I have no idea. Yes, three o'clock Friday. It's three o'clock Friday. <laughs> Brian. Fizz, does, that make it, Friday. does that make it Fizz Fridays? <laughs> yes. So Excellent. we're going to do this this week. Um, I think if you're getting this out today, this week we're going to do a mental health special. It's going to be three o'clock on Friday. We'll see how everybody gets involved. If that turns out to be not the right time, then we'll change it. Although what we realised from our 9.15 one is that <laughs> we can't please everybody. Um, we're going weekly. We'll be in the Facebook Live, but we'll also be on YouTube as well. Um, over the weekend after that and it's going to probably be around about half an hour and it's the same sort of stuff good news positive news action plans for the, the following week and making sure arguments. we've done what we said that we were going to do oh yeah and the <clears throat> obvious arguments <laughs> and, and if, I'm a, if i'm a producer working for itv how do i get in contact with you guys or do i, do I need to speak to your agent <laughs> these days 
Yeah, if you just come through Sam Hunter, no. <laughs> I'll get you a good deal. <laughs> um, yes, I uh, think speak we might to Sarah. Need, yeah, always speak to me. I'm the. Um, I, w I nearly said infiltrator. Then that was completely the wrong, <laughs> wrong word. Um, I'll uh, make it happen. Do you want my email address? Am I supposed to say it on this podcast? Yeah, go on. Sarah at theallstarsgroup.com. Thanks. Wonderful. Great Thanks, job. guys. Sarah Thanks, at I'mDesperateToBeOnTelly.com. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you very much. That needs to come to uh, inquiries via Sam at SarahEdmondson.com. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Have a good day. Appreciate it. Bye, guys. Love you both. See you. Take care. Be good. Cheers. Bye.